Hi, I'm Janelle. And I'm Monique. And welcome to Is Marriage Worth It? We are just two single chicks, girls, women, anything but females, trying to figure out what marriage is like and is it worth it? I'm assuming the best place to get the answers is from married people, maybe engaged people, newlyweds, and even other singles. Each episode, we will have a guest answering different questions we have or that you may have about marriage. Join us as we try to figure out is marriage worth it? I wonder if my future husband or yours is listening right now. Hi, I'm Monique. And I'm Janelle. And welcome to another episode of Is Marriage Worth It? Our guest today is Kina. And the way that she became a guest, once upon a time, we had this little, um, what is it? The Google, like a Google Docs that's like, oh, fill out your information. And so I lost it for a very, very long time. And I finally was able to get back on that. And so I sent an email and was like, hey, are you still interested? And she sure enough said yes. So thank you so much after years, I think, for being willing to come on our podcast. Yes. <laughs> thank you for having me. So to kick things off, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So I am Kina Crowley and um, I am the founder and CEO of My Thriving Life Academy, where I help women over the age of 35 who feel stuck or overwhelmed to break free from a broken relationship so they can thrive and live their best lives after divorce. Um, I am also the author of A Superwoman's Guide to Recovering After Divorce. And <laughs> I am a, uh, obviously I've gone through my own divorce and I'm on the other side of that. Um, I'm an army veteran, a combat army veteran. Um, I have a, a background in social work, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, so a strong background in like therapy and such. Um, so what else would you like to know? <laughs> I think that's a great start. Thank All you. right. So I know you have mentioned that you were divorced, but how long were you married? I was married for five years. Five years. Okay. And how did you meet? Yes. So I met my ex. Um, I was serving in the military and I met him shortly after um, I had orders to move to Kansas out of all places. Um, <laughs> and I, I got there and um Initially, I was not really looking for a relationship. I was looking for someone just to hang out with in Kansas since it was like, what is there to do around here other than look at weeds tumble and such? And so I, so I actually honestly got on plenty of fish and we met like that. Um, he was also in the military. And so we um Actually, he I think he messaged me first and we had a little bit of communication on the app and we both agreed to meet in a neutral spot. It was actually Fourth of July when we met in person. Um, very well populated area. <laughs> 
So because you guys were both in the military, I'm just going to ask, how long did it take to get from, oh, we met up to you guys got married? Oh, good question. Seven months. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have a random question. I'm not sure if you can answer it. Sure. But why? <laughs> Good. Qu- okay. So like the uh, military and Mormons marry so quickly. <laughs> yes. Um. So we actually moved very fast in our relationship. Like we we met, um, and then we very shortly after meeting like we we talked for a while we really didn't have a long courting period at all before we were full-blown in a relationship I want to say we met end of May like first like connected on the app um very end of May and then by June we were official like maybe I don't even think two weeks in um And then by August 1st, we were signing a lease. Well, I had signed a lease and shortly after he was moving in with me, like same month. So we lived together and it wasn't anything necessarily planned. um, But Mm -hmm. in hindsight, yeah, it went very fast. And um, there, I think one factor with the military and it even was a factor in us getting married so quick is um just that whole thing of separation due to having mm-hmm. to move you know due to right. your job and um also there is that benefits piece which both of us were in the military so we both had benefits of our own but um for a lot of service members that is a factor but i think the main thing is um when it comes time for moving which apparently i had just moved there but the transition for me was i was getting out um of the military around that same time and so you know, in my mind, I was like, well, we honestly, I was the one who brought it up first. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, I was thinking that maybe we should make this official official. Like we already know we want each other. We're already living together. And um, yeah, so we let's make this work. But in hindsight, it partially, although we were already together, I think some of the the part that made it go faster on my end was me seeing I was moving out and I mean, getting out rather of the military and feeling like, OK, I need to kind of secure something for my children because I came in with two kids. And okay. So I was like, huh, we lose everything if I get out. Plus, I knew I had a plan to go to school, which meant I could not pick up like necessarily a full time job with benefits Mm -hmm. and everything. So like as a mother, I was also looking at security for my children, but also looking at we're already in this relationship together. Like, let's make it official. So it was like for me, it was all of those factors. But I know usually just the nature of the military separating people um also thinking of when it comes to deployments and such it may be life or death like so for some people it puts certain things in perspective like hey i really want this um not necessarily that it's the best decision obviously but (laughs) 
you know, yeah, it's those factors as well. Okay. So there was a lot of a lot of moving parts that you kind of had to think about, I guess, very quickly within those seven months before you kind of said, I do. Did you guys have a wedding wedding or just the courthouse type of thing? So for me, I refuse to have the courthouse thing. Actually, I I told him I expected a proposal and all still, (laughs) even though it was coming from me. And um, yeah, we actually had a wedding wedding. Um, We were living on post and no, we were living off post then, but we talked to the post chapel um, people and they were like, yeah, you know, it's free. So that saved money. But like I got a whole dress and everything Mm -hmm. and it was very very intimate it was just um my my mom flew in she was on because it really was like okay we had this conversation and maybe like less than a month later he was on one knee and like a few (laughs) weeks after that we were getting married like we were saying I do so it it happened really fast after the conversation came up and um I told my mom and I really didn't tell a lot of people because I was like "Ah, they won't get it I don't need the judgment our minds are already made up um and I told my mom and I know my mom will keep it real so she was like I'll be honest I think you're rushing, but I love you and I support you regardless. It's your wedding. Of course, mm-hmm. I'll be there. And so she flew in um, and she was really the only one other than my kids. Well, so very intimate. <laughs> Did he have yeah. anybody from his side or that was literally just it? That was it. <laughs> oh, wow. We had no friends, nothing <laughs> should have looked at that as an omen in itself. But yeah, yeah, that was it. OK, <laughs> like I'm still, I'm still just trying to process. I'm still stuck on the fact that it was seven months after making a connection on Plenty of Fish. Like, OK, I'm just trying to move past that. Maybe it was a little closer to eight, but nonetheless, <laughs> look. I think before the conversation, by the time the conversation came up, it was seven and then it was closer to eight by the time we said I do. But it still was pretty quick. (laughs) I mean, we've had we've had quick timelines on here. And every time I'm just like, my brain doesn't process that fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so you guys. Well, let me rewind just a little bit because I know you said, hey, I still want that proposal. What type of proposal was it? So he he drove me like it was interesting because it's not much in the area that we were living in. And we went out to eat and then he was he took a detour all of a sudden. And he's like and I already knew it was weird because I'm like, hmm. Okay, I bet I know what this is about, but <laughs> I'm going to act surprised. And it still was like, oh, you know, when it happened. But um, yeah, he he detoured and then he goes up like this hill or something. And I'm like, what are we doing? And he's like, oh, I just want to show you this view. And that's not really him. He, he was never really that romantic type. So it was like very obvious. But, you know, I went along with it, of course. I'm like, at least he tried um, to put a little effort into it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And and, um, 
so yeah he we walked up the top of the hill and yeah he got on one knee and pulled out a ring okay that's cute i knew it was coming (laughs) didn't want to blow his blow his cover look pro tip do more than one romantic thing so proposal is actually a surprise right (laughs) (laughs) right then I would have been like, oh, okay, he's just romantic, you know, in general. Yeah, I, I had already knew. I was like, yeah, you just want to. He was very um, routine. So okay. for him to break a routine, such as even turning in a different direction, was very obvious. <laughs> How soon into your relationship did you introduce your kids to him? Huh. The very first day we met in person and I know um like initially in the past when I dated I used to say oh I'll I'll wait I don't want to get them involved but I learned in, in previous like experiences with dating that far too often I would wait and then like get emotionally involved with someone and we're, we start dating and then I introduce my kids and that's when I learned oh even though they say they like kids like seeing the dynamics mm-hmm. um and at that point I'm like it would have been nice to see this earlier that truth be told they don't and I I know I don't like have um the average children. My daughter's grown now, but my son is on the spectrum. So a lot of people who never firsthand experienced that, they may say like, oh yeah, I love kids and I can deal with that. But until I actually see that in play out in Mm -hmm. in person. Um, So I decided, let me do it a little different. Um, I know it's, it's controversial. Like some people are like, no, you wait. But for me, it was, let me go ahead because I rather learn now than down the line. And my kids are involved down the line and I'm really emotionally involved down the line. And they're like, Oh no, thought I could do this. You know, I just rather there are no connections at all. That way I can see like, just see it. It's one thing to see it versus someone saying, because, you know, up front people say anything, but yeah, they're actually in it. And and they're like, oh, yeah, this is what autism is like. OK. And ADHD combined. So that was my reason. We actually plus. <laughs> plus, um, I was like trying to make it clear that it was not like that, because initially to me, it was a date, but it was also like, hey, I want to just get to know somebody at the same time. Um, but in case this develops into something else, like I, I want to also bring my kids for both reasons. One, to test that out, to see how, yeah. but also to, you know, to put a buffer, like to let you know, this isn't romantic. This isn't happening on day. <laughs> Don't even think that just because we met on plenty of fish doesn't mean you're going to go there with me and you can't with these kids right here. We're going to Absolutely. enjoy ourselves in this park around all these people and my kids. So it was, it kind of was um, multiple reasons why I chose to introduce them on the first day. Okay. How old were your kids? At the time, eight and 13. Okay. And so mm-hmm. after that, did they have anything to say about, like, did they have any feelings about it? 
Um, they were like, oh, because I asked them. That was important as well. Like, you know, their opinion of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, he seemed very nice. <laughs> That was pretty much it. You know, they're like, yeah, he seemed nice. He he was pretty quiet and timid. So it was really hard to read him. Um, you could tell he was kind of trying with them, but I couldn't really tell if it was just initial nervousness or whatever. But yeah, that was their opinion. They were like, he seemed nice. <laughs> and so with before you guys got married, did you guys like continue to go out on date? Was that a thing? Yeah. So in the area that we lived, well, it seems like a Kansas period, but in the area <laughs> that we lived in, um, it really wasn't a, a lot to do. It was a Walmart and like maybe a couple, a handful of restaurants and a movie theater. But yeah, mm-hmm. we with what was available, we we did go out. And go out you, on dates. Did you take your kids to all of them or were there times that it was just the two of you? No. So that first time it was um, with the kids and then we decided um, to go out to a restaurant the second time. Um, and to at the time we were like, this is our first like real date date you mm-hmm. know, without the kids. So, yeah. And then we did stuff with the kids after that as well. So it, it just varied. Okay. All right. Now we're going to jump back to where we were before we got all this background. So after you guys said, I do, Mm -hmm. what was that first year of marriage like for you guys? Ooh, um, that was when I really started to see the red flag. Actually, I started seeing red flags prior to saying I do, mm-hmm. um, but I gave benefit of the doubt. Um, and so it was us really starting to get to know each other and slowly but surely realizing that, oh, I didn't really know you. And so, you know, kind of doing things backwards at that point, mm-hmm. you know, trying to build a foundation. Um, it was a lot of change. I had just moved there in May around, well, when we met, then mm-hmm moved um together got married and then a couple months no yes a couple months after we got married um I got out of the military Mm -hmm. and so that's a big change because that changed income that changed my schedule um and I went to school I was in my master's program. And so that changed my availability, whereas before I would go to work and we would generally get home around the same time and kind of fall into a certain routine that like really changed that. And um, that caused tension. Um, he, He started to kind of express that he was feeling in so many words, kind of like I wasn't giving him enough attention. And um, on my end, I'm like, look, I'm doing this for us and I'm trying to have balance. And um, yeah, so it was like a lot of stressors due to just a lot of changes, plus us still truly really getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. 
And so with all those changes, um, did anything, did that affect your children? Yeah. So with those changes, um, I know they had to have started to feel just the effects of me no longer being able to come home after work and I'm just free and available. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, oh, me coming home or maybe I'm already home, but I'm still doing work. I'm doing a lot of schoolwork at that point. So um, I'm still not fully like they're engaging mm-hmm. the way that I am or and then it was more stressful. It was more stressful on me. It was more stressful on my ex. And so, of course, my kids like felt the effects of that, you know, in hindsight, that stress kind of manifested in like kind of being a little short, um, not really having a lot of patience with certain things or um yeah, really feeling overwhelmed. So certain things that they may really, it may have been little things, just kid things. Um, they would get certain responses like, Hey, okay, chill, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, um, just that overwhelmed. And, you know, generally when the leadership of the house has a certain level of anxiety, it's going to cascade down. So, um, yeah. And just seeing the dynamic change between he and I, like not just general stress, but tension between each other as well. Like we started to have more um, disagreements and um, they started to get a little more heated. Um, And even if generally we would try to Mm. like keep it behind closed doors and the issues like walls are only so, so thick. So, you know, um, and even if we weren't arguing, the energy would shift to where maybe we're sitting out eating dinner together and um, they're noticing we're not talking or Mm -hmm. barely talking. And it, it was pretty palpable. And was this all just in year one or was this throughout the years? Um, year one was like that change, those those major changes of me getting out of the military and me starting school. But um, no, it actually just we we started to grow more distant, um, argue more or it was just a certain energy between us where like we would try to do things together, um, go out to eat together, whether it was as a whole family with the kids or on a date, um, which is he and I, and it would be just so disconnected. Um, and even my daughter would like, cause she's the older one. Um, so she would kind of make a comment like, I really wish we wouldn't have even come out if it was going to be like this. Like that's how palpable it was. Um, And on his end, um, that's where kind of the the drinking started to pick up, Mm. which added to more problems. And um, over the years, as we ended up moving um, to Texas and yeah, the drinking really picked up at that point. I 
graduated. And at that point I was job hunting. So it, it was a lot, it was more changes. And mm-hmm. um, it, we were just like really disconnected. Um, our communication wasn't the greatest. And um, we had fallen into like a pattern. And in a sense, it seemed like it was healthy for the relationship because, you know, we would come in the house, um, somebody would cook or we would eat out. And then usually at some point we would end up like watching TV in our room. And um, but we still weren't connected. It's weird. In hindsight, we were spending time together, but he wasn't present. And Mm. I noticed that like over the years, him picking up his phone more like and paying more attention to his phone than being present with me and it turning into um, coupled with just other signs and other changes where it's like, what's really going on, you know, some trust stuff there. So, yeah, over the years, we started to really, really have issues. And so while you were noticing these things and while you guys had that disconnect, was there ever a point where you tried to have the conversation about what you were noticing? Definitely. Um, A few things. One, I brought up the phone thing, especially it bothered me. Well, it bothered me in multiple ways, but it bothered me when we would be out. You know, we're supposed to be spending this time together, especially Mm -hmm. when I was like busy with school or anything like that. Plus my first job in social work was hospice and they were stress. Yes. Like it went from eight, nine hour days to by the time I finally left, it was 12 to 14 hour days, which put a strain on my marriage as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause I had no time and no energy when I wasn't working, you know? And so, um, but rewinding back to your question, um, Yes, I brought up the phone and he I brought up the phone as far as like, hey, when we're out, can we agree like for the most part, no phones, like let's focus on being present. We already Mm -hmm. don't really get a lot of time. Um, And he I noticed he was just becoming a lot very, very defensive and he would deflect and you know, like make it seem like I was asking for something just so outlandish, so ridiculous. And um, even I would bring up the phone, like as far as in regards to being in the house, um, the issue was it seemed secretive the way that he would do it. Like um, he would flip his phone like upside down. Little thing that seemed mm-hmm. little. But that you start to notice, especially if there's a disconnect that start really blaring out at you and standing out. And so he would flip his phone upside down or he would um, hurry up and turn it off. Like if I walk in the room, he you could see that he's clicked out of a screen at some point when I confronted him on this. 
course, he's you're just overreacting. You're looking too much into it. You know, made it seem like it was just my insecurity. And I told him, no, this is an observation. Like it's not just once. If it was just once or twice, I just look at it as a coincidence and give you benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt. But when it's every time I'm walking in the room, you're turning, changing your screen or whatever, and you get this like dumbfounded look on your face like you just got caught or something like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm paying attention to that. And that's making me feel some way like there's something there, there's something wrong. And so he actually got a um, privacy screen shortly after that. <laughs> And I noticed it one day I was sitting next to him and I noticed like when I looked over, it was like black, you know, and and although he was on his screen, I'm like, wait a minute, did you just get a privacy screen? And then it just turned into one lie after another from there because he was like, oh, no, the store sold me the wrong thing Um, when I went to get the screen protector. It was supposed to be clear and um yeah so and then it sent me down a rabbit hole because i'm going to the store <laughs> asking them like on the package does it show it because i'm not very tech savvy and i i've mm-hmm. learned a lot since then but at that time i was like no let me go and research let me find out and i went to the store and you know it's just a lot of arguments not being truthful and um in addition to that, the drinking, I confronted him on that as well, because I noticed um, he turns into a different person when he drinks and I don't like that person. Um, and so and as with my social work background, I could recognize the signs that he had a problem, too. Um, and so I tried to tell him he needed help um, because when he would drink, it wasn't, it didn't seem like he was drinking for enjoyment. It was like he was drinking to like drown something or to bury something Mm. or avoid something. And so I started noticing and it seemed like his demons would really come out the more he drank and he would became, started to become very, um, verbally and emotionally abusive over time in particular when he was drinking it would come out and I I, that's when I really started to say something about that and he would deflect even that no um I drink just like the next person I drink for enjoyment I don't have a problem um, and I can prove it to you. I can go a long period of time without drinking. If I had a problem, I'd have to drink every single day. So it both of those issues really started to snowball. And I started to, you know, really on one end see it for what it was, but the other end try to still I wasn't ready to throw in the towel yet. Mm. So when did it come to that point when you're just like, okay, enough is enough? Yeah. So it, it was like kind of a few times it came to that point. Um, One was when he was like being inappropriate with um, another soldier. And even though it wasn't clearly cheating, it, 
I'm I made my boundaries clear. I know different people have different boundaries when it comes to their relationships and such, but I made it very clear um, from the beginning. I'm not the type who who if you have like one on one female friends, if you're going to be with me like i'm sorry but if i don't know them like that um yeah they need to fall back because just in my experiences that is it's always been something happening in the background um and i i trusted it gave a benefit of the doubt and got burned and um also and i was telling him this up front because i get for some people they're like no i'm going to keep my female friends and so i can respect that if you tell me and we respectfully decide like, no, this isn't going to work. So, you know, he agreed and I started like over the years just seeing signs. Oh, these just communication with females in this particular soldier was one of them. Um, and I was assertive and, and saying like, I don't like the fact that one, she's not your soldier, meaning he's not like in her chain of command or anything. She has a different supervisor. So he really was going out of his own way to, you know, kind of mentor her and every soldier has a supervisor. And so I was trying to get him to understand that's not your job. Why are you going above and beyond for her as your wife? I don't like that. Um, you know, cause he was getting up, early extra extra early to go meet her at the gym and they were I found out they were communicating he wasn't like very open with me about this I'm finding out after the fact I'm Mm. seeing the text messages popping up on his phone from her and you know it's like odd times of the day or evening and I'm like why what are y'all talking about you're not her supervisor why are you communicating with her like that I don't like that like reroute her to her supervisor if Mm -hmm. she needs any guidance um especially with the just the issue the trust issues and such we were already experiencing and Mm -hmm. so he um he was I got it and you don't understand I'll handle it And so he made it seem like he would break it, like not break it off, but he would fall back and reroute her to her supervisor for guidance. Well, one day I go to the gym um, and the the gym is on post. He worked on post like everything was right there. And I happen to walk in and I see my ex in there out of all things doing Zumba right next to the Yes, I kid you not. Doing Zumba right next to her, which that hurt on a deeper, like deeper Absolutely. level. Because one, Zumba, I love Zumba. Oh. So yeah, I love Zumba and it, it was something that I would do. I just happened to stop in there. I think I was actually going to just work out, like it was at their internship or something. And as I walked in, um, the staff told me, they were like, oh, there's free Zumba upstairs. I'm like, what, really? And they're like, yeah, you should check it out because normally it's a charge for it. Right. And so I believe in divine intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went up there and I see him and it hurt because one, he told me he was going to like reroute her and pretty much stop dealing with her. Two, um, the 
I could never get him to do Zumba with me. I think that was like the thing that hurt me the most in that moment was I really love Zumba and I would try to get him like, hey, you should come to a class with me. And he will always have all the excuses. I don't know how to dance. I'll look goofy. He did look goofy. But <laughs> nonetheless, he... um he was still right there right next to her and in that moment I just I saw red and I, I was like you know what we're on post so I'm not going to go in here and cause a scene mm-hmm. but um, I'm going to let him know that is, we're done and so that was the first time of course in that moment he's like oh we'll we'll do therapy because I've been telling him like he needed therapy but mm-hmm. he's like I'll do therapy if you do it with me we'll go to couples counseling so from at that point I let him get in my head and we ended up reconciling through couples counseling and you know he even <laughs> he even set up a day because I was like no I need to confront her like I need to look this woman in her eyes and make sure that it's nothing there I can't just take your word for it um so the day he sets this up because he couldn't show me any messages between them because he deleted them because he claimed oh they he doesn't like a long list of like old messages in his phone just classic cheater stuff right and so (laughs) yeah I um I ended up saying, well, since you can't prove that it's platonic at this point, because it's looking like it's on a deeper level, especially mm-hmm. with the Zumba thing, um, then you you got to schedule some kind of sit down like I need to sit down. So he set up lunch, had the girl agree to meet us the day we're supposed to meet. I'm heading in to my internship at the time and I get rear ended by a truck, divine intervention. Um, and I end up having to go to the hospital for like whiplash. It was just automatic since it happened on post. Yeah. And he comes and he's all concerned and this and that. And it it was like it threw the folk. And I was so mad, though. I was like, because they were like, you got to go home and everything. And I talked to an older um an older woman that was kind of like my mentor at the time and I, that I could confide in who had been through the ringer in previous relationships. And um, she was like, don't push it. You know, there's a reason that happened. You will find out the truth in due time. So at that point, cause she was like, you're in school. What are you going to do? If you find out that's true, you're not in a good position right now to up and leave with your babies. So Maybe just look at it as just take what you know and move forward. Don't force that. So I listened to, you know, her her advice and I kind of left it at that. And then we PCS, we moved shortly after that to Texas. And that's when kind of things, like I said, with the drinking and everything spiraled. So after that, um, fast forwarding, he actually got orders to Korea and that was our first time being truly separated other than like I think the most amount of time prior to that was a month um, for training. Um, so we were separated a year solid um, due to that being the time that the pandemic hit. And remember it hit over in um, the Asia, Asia first. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, at, at that point, um, I had already left him again while like by the time the pandemic hit, I found out some stuff, you know, on a on a 
very elaborate um, TV remote, <laughs> very, very high tech TV remote that looked like a phone almost that he had set up, but he failed to delete or remove his email account from when he left for Korea. So I saw it. I saw some inappropriate messages because um, I'm the type I was like, not even flirting. I, I get some people are cool with that, but I'm like, no, not even flirting to me. That's cheating. You know, to me, if you can't do it in front of me. That's cheating. So, yeah, I was like, you know, and I'm fed up. I'm done. It's over. Um, and it was easier for me to start to emotionally detach with him not being in the house with me and I um, mean, not having to see him every day and not necessarily having to talk to him because it was up to me if I picked up the phone or not. And it seemed like when I pulled back, of course, that's when he really layered it on. And I'm like, don't even tell me you love me, anything like that. Um and he was like, I'm going to therapy. I guess he knew as a therapist that was like the the trump card in a sense, like, oh, I'm going to therapy. I'm working on myself. And I was like, OK, well, good for you. But we're done. I was standing my grounds. But the during pandemic hit and it, it put things in a certain perspective where I was like, oh, I really don't want him to die like that fear at that time. Um, started to soften soften my my walls that I have built up and slowly but surely I started to let them down and let them back in and we had decided okay we'll reconcile so he returns from Korea and um we end up PCSing or moving again um like two days after his return and we move up to Washington state. Um, and I knew the energy was so weird, which we had agreed like clean slate. Um, you know, I'm not going to harbor anything because it was just in my mind. I was like, Oh my gosh, I almost lost him. And I, I didn't realize like how that would make me feel. And so, yeah, I was like, I'll give it another chance. He's worked on himself, whatever. He's saying all the right things, at least. So although there were still red flags there, spending money that was not being accounted for, um, that wasn't adding up to what he was claiming he was spending it on. But I was like, all right, I'm not in that country. I've never been to Korea. I don't know, you know, how the currency is, how much food is, whatever. So I had to give him benefit of the doubt. So moving forward, he gets back and the energy is just so off. And I know they warn us, they like train us um, in the military, like in relationships and with the the separation, there has to be a period of reintegration where, you know, you got to get used to being back around each other and maybe certain things that um, became routine for that, that partner that was, or that spouse that was, home all that time taking care of the kids and everything like they have to learn to allow you to get back into the groove of things and same thing you got to get back integrated to being back in the house and since in a sense so and y'all just got to get back integrated with each other you've been apart you know a solid year and so um I was trying to give it time in my mind because his his energy was just really off-putting. Um, and it wasn't like that 
welcoming, like, oh, I'm so glad to be back. I really, it was just so, he was so, so irritable, so agitated over like some of the smallest things. And he was just really, really short with me on like, you know, and almost, well, no, like pretty much very disrespectful in the way that he would respond to me. And so I would check that like, hey, I'm not your child. You're not going to talk to me that way. Um, And then he would kind of stand down and just say, oh, I'm tired. Um, And I tried to give him benefit of the doubt with the time difference. I'm getting acclimated. But, you know, we did the long drive. It was a four day trip um, from Texas to Washington State. And we're in a car and it was just like, you think we would have been really bonding and reconnecting at this time, but no, it was like just that weird energy tension there. And I'm like, my mind, I'm like, all right, because he really has no reason to be upset. If anything, I should be the one acting funny if any anybody, but I've moved forward. I really have tried to start off with a clean slate, but I don't like this energy is so off. So we get to Washington State and there's still that weird energy. Um, fast forward, we're house hunting at this point um, and we end up because the market was crazy, of course, and um, Washington State has limited property anyways, just due to the way that the land is. And so we were having a hard time finding a house and I was adding to our frustration as well. Um, But we finally made an offer on something that did not already have other offers. So it seemed pretty promising. And we actually had a good night, like Things shifted and almost seemed like it was like, okay, finally, maybe we could kind of, maybe it was all this other anxiety and stressors impacting us. So we end up going to sleep, like having pretty much a good night. We woke up and our routine, because we have fallen into a routine within that week and a half of being in Washington, um, where because he would snore and he didn't leave snoring. He came back and um, was snoring really bad. And I had a hard time sleeping with the snore. I would usually stay up like I would get a few hours of sleep at night and then I would just be up from like maybe 4 a.m. And so by the time day breaks, yeah, by the time day breaks, um, I was already up. I'd go get breakfast. I'd walk we had a dog or I have the dog still, but we'd, um, I just go ahead and get up with the dog. And so this particular day he got up first. Um, it was just the whole dynamic shift that he got up first and he walked the dog. I got to stay in the bed, but I could just feel when he got out of the bed. So when he got back in the bed, I was kind of like, I squinted. <laughs> you know, pretending like I was asleep. And I, cause I saw he immediately picked up his phone and just curiosity because all this time I was giving him benefit of the doubt since he had gotten back. I really was not thinking of what has he been up to or anything like that, but he's like clicking in and out of apps. It's like eight o'clock in the morning. Mind you, we don't really know anybody in Washington like that. So I'm like, who is he like? And he's off. It's not like he was going to work just yet. Um, so 
once I saw him click out of one app into another and into like the third, at that point I said something like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, uh, uh, Snapchat. So with Snapchat, I told him a very long time ago, that is one app that as a married person, I did not agree to him having. Once I learned like that things just disappear, I said, with the issues we had in our past, we don't need messages. We don't need to use anything that automatically has your messages disappearing. So why do you have Snapchat? Who are you talking to? And he's like some female um, sergeant in Korea. Why are you talking to her? And he's like, oh, it's just platonic. It's nothing like that. So my show me, he's like, it's already gone. Okay, now at this point, you got to show me something to prove that you have not been up to anything because at this point, I'm suspicious. Like, I'm I'm worried. We're about to buy a house together. You've been gone a year. Now all that anxiety and worry kicked in. And I was on him like white on rice at that point. I'm like, show me, open some messages or whatever to show me, like prove that there's nothing going on. You should be able to open all of it, you know? And so he's like... He opens Facebook Messenger and then he he does this whole Houdini thing where he makes his messages go dark or I don't know, because at the time I was not very tech savvy or whatever. So and he was he he was quick. And so a lot of stuff where it was clear he had stuff to hide and he handed me his computer at one point and he's deleting the messages from his phone. I didn't notice that initially um, until later on, but yeah, I see it. I I'm looking at the messages on the on his Facebook Messenger and I saw enough. I was like, "Wow, you're flirting left and right with women. Um, it's almost in these messages like I don't exist. It was several women in his Messenger. Um, and I'm scrolling and I'm reading and it it went back beyond his deployment. Um, and so at that point I was like, all right. Um, I I knew it was over, but I think for me to get that closure of how bad is it? Like really how, what's the extent of this? I was like digging. I was like, you know, I, I want to know I'm going to click through every single one of these messages and read it all um, because I want to know how long you've been playing me, you know? And so, and how bad, how deep was it? He snatches the computer at some point um, and I snatch it back because I'm like, you're not about to snatch this from me. And I noticed he, because I noticed he started getting anxious, you know, legs started bouncing and I could see, you know, he grabbed for it first and I grabbed it back, but then he grabbed with more force. And I noticed that I was like one click away from his child's mother, which all I always had to just trust. I knew that she still wanted him, but I had to trust him, you know, that there was nothing there. So it, it really made me suspicious. Like, what in the world? Like, why did you just snatch that when I was getting there? So it was a tussle. Like he he snatched the computer. And um, when I went to grab for it, like somehow I'm like reaching over his shoulder at that point. He does this like ninja move where he drops down and we're in this hotel room. So I come down on the luggage um, and the luggage rack. And in that moment, though, I'm so full of like adrenaline, anxiety and everything's happening so fast. 
um, I don't really feel it. Um, but I hop up because like, I'm like, whoa, that is different. Like we never reached that level before. It was always verbal and such, but the abuse, like it never got that intense, whereas physical. So I jump up because I'm like, I don't know what just happened, but I don't know if I'm, you know, I need to get in a better position than laying on this floor. And I'm looking around and he gets back on the bed and he's like, he has his computer he's going through it clicking and I say to him I'm like if you don't hand me that computer right now no he didn't open it yet that's what it was um I said if you open that computer and you don't show me um like your screen without you doing anything to it um it's over and it was already over but I, I really wanted to know what it was that had him respond like that in that moment. Like, how did he let me go through all those messages? And I reached a point where he snatched the computer from me. And so he um he didn't say anything. It's like it didn't even phase him what I said. He just opened the computer and I said, you made your choice. And I told him I was going to call the realtor. Ironically, I had throughout that whole interaction between us from the time we woke up and went through all that, I had gotten a text from the realtor saying we had the house. Our offer had been accepted. Um, And I said, wow, that's crazy. Like that is crazy because that was our third offer. But once again, divine intervention, there was a reason why those other houses did not go through for us. And so, yeah, in hindsight, um, well, in that moment, I called a realtor immediately and was like, hey, we got to back out. And I didn't go into detail. I just said family emergency. I probably probably won't even be in Washington anymore. I don't know. And um, thankfully, was able to back out of that. And yeah, like I told my mother, um, we I talked to him a little more like the next day, found out even more like I found the deeper stuff out at that point, like he had a whole relationship and everything um, and pretty much found out he was DL. I know he was with a man over there and like that's he basically got drunk the next day trying to manipulate me, walked out the door claiming he was about to go commit suicide in his car and um, by crashing it. And I didn't fall for it because that wasn't the first time he said that to me when I was like, it's over. But I wasn't falling for it that time. So I let him walk out. He left his phone. I know that wasn't by design. And I saw it and I grabbed it and I ran out of the hotel, jumped in my car, drove away. And mm-hmm. I I just I didn't know his passcode. I guessed it. It was my birthday. <laughs> and um, I got it. it was my birthday. I got in it. And I'm just trying to look and he's I could tell once he realized he didn't have his phone, he was calling me, you know, from the room, blowing up the phone. And I knew I had limited time and I'm going through and I'm the juicy stuff was in his phone, um, not the messages. That's why he gave me the computer while he was clearing out his messages. And I could tell he had been deleting the messages because they started that same day that, you know, everything went down, which was the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And but it was still stuff there. It was enough there. And I guess he assumed that because one of the messages was with a man that I wouldn't even look at that. Um, but I went at all because I was like, there's incriminating stuff like guys talk to each other about. Exactly. Your- so I, I went in there and I was looking at that. And sure enough, it was a whole relationship with this guy. Like it was deep. And so it was deeper than anything with the females. And so that crushed me. And I went to the room and he he looked at me. I handed him back his phone and it was like almost like gigs up, like every any attempt of him trying to get me back or convince me was gone. And it was like. It, the cold look in his eyes, it was eerie, actually, um, but I was so upset, but it was so eerie. I didn't know him um, and I knew I had already known it was over, but I knew, knew like, wow. And yeah, so that is how we ended. My mom drove up. I told her um, it's over and she was like, I'm on the way. And she drove from Florida and drove all the way to Washington State. It took her four days to get there. And she was booking it. And I was running on fumes by the time she got there. I was not thinking clear. I didn't tell her to come. I told her actually not to. But in hindsight, I'm glad she did because I needed that. I needed the support. I felt like a bird. And I'm like, this is my issue. You know, let me deal with it. I'll figure it out. But she was like, no, I'm on the way. You're my daughter. You're my only daughter. Um, And I'm on the way. You're hurting you. At least you need somebody there. You don't know anybody. You know, you're on the whole other side of the country and you know nobody except for him. And I am just so thankful that she made that drive. And, you know, now I'm in Florida today because I made the decision. Um to come back with her at that time I was not thinking clear so I was almost I was actually looking for apartments there in Washington State because I was so drained I was so tired we had just moved cross country and going through all that that was so draining and so I was just like I I was trying to look for the low-hanging fruit you know and my mom was like no it's up to you but I'm leaving on this date and I would love it if you come back with me. And I had supportive cousins that were like, yeah, you can stay as long as you need to. And grace to God, I had money saved up and I was able to start my new life in Florida. So that's my divorce slash marriage story. Like your story. You're a great storyteller. I mean, I know. Great storyteller. But at the same time, I'm just captivated at how you told that story. Thank you. What was the divorce process like? How long did that take? Oh, so after I got to Florida, um, like at that point, he was so cold. Um, we did have some properties together. Um And we didn't have any kids together, thankfully, but we did have properties. And the other unresolved issue was that, mind you, we had just gotten to Washington State prior to me making that change, that pivot and choosing to leave him. Um, So all of our household goods, which had been moved by the military, had just gotten to Washington. I want to say like the day after I decided to leave. So um, we had already talked like the day before stuff real, like the last day of everything hitting the fan. Um, We had already talked about 
okay, you know, what does that mean as far as household goods? And I quit my job to move. I moved with my child. And he was like, I'll take care of you in that regards. Um, and I will um, make sure that you get the household goods. And in hindsight, I think he was saying that partially because he was hoping if I am nice and compliant, then I can smooth things over and possibly get her back. And at the very least, she won't go to my command about anything. <laughs> so, um, and I wasn't initially, that was not my intent. Um, I was trying to give him the chance to honor his word. And like the first month, it took him a while, but he like sent me some money because in the military, you're obligated to take care of your spouse, like provide for your spouse, even mm -hmm. if, you know, it's over until legally you're no longer married or at least you're legally separated. And so he knew I knew the law because I used to be a paralegal yeah. in the military. <laughs> oh, wow. So I used to be a part of the law in a sense. And so um. At first, he was trying to honor that, but then he went radio silent. He stopped responding and I started to get scared um, because I was worried about my household goods. Plus, mm -hmm. I'm like, my son and I are sleeping on an air mattress. I can do it, but it wasn't fair to my son. Mm -hmm. um, OK, a couple weeks sucks, but we could survive. But months and months and months were going by. Um, and I'm like talking to him and he's not responding. He's ignoring me. And at that point, he had also stopped sending payments, but I was more concerned about the household. Your things. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, what is he doing? He doesn't need all that. What if he's just being spiteful? This is his final way of holding some kind of control over me. But also, what if he gets rid of it? You know, I was just like afraid. And these are things that I've had for years prior to us getting married. So at that point, once he stopped talking to me um, and it hit about seven months, that's the golden number, obviously, um, mm -hmm. of us sleeping on an air mattress, I was like, all right, enough is enough. I got to take the kid gloves off. I tried to let him honor his word and let's keep coming out of it. But I made a phone call. Like I didn't want it to get ugly, but I it's like he forced my hand. I got a child, you know, and he doesn't deserve this. So I called and I told command everything. And they basically forced him um, to send my stuff. Like there was actually a program because technically it's domestic violence. Um, there was a program that had funding for that. And I got my, my household goods at that point, the divorce came about because around the same time that I got my household goods, I had also um, started a new job. I was buying a house. I was finally buying a house um, on my own, but due to like the homestead laws or act. Oh, common property. Because I was still married. They said that either he would have to be on the mortgage or he would have to sign off that he didn't want anything to do with it. But either way, it had to go past him. And I was like, all I could think of was 
I don't know this man. You know, all I know is how it ended. I know how he treated me during the marriage. And I know I had to, things had to escalate to that point where I had to contact command. So if he already had resentment or whatever, it really is high. And I did not want him to know where I lived at that point. Cause I just, I was like, you never know. I watched mm-hmm you know, forensic files and such. I know how things end a lot of times. So um, I was like, no. And it sucked because like it was the day before the signing of my house because I was telling my my realtor, okay, like you would let, so we could proceed in the process. I was, she was like, can you get him to sign? I was like, okay, but in my mind, I'm like, how am I going to work around this? But being so competitive when it comes to the housing market and, you know, just the move I needed to make for my job and such, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, how this is going to work. But and then it was literally the day before that um, during the 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 closing of my house during that process, I initiated the divorce. But then he was dragging his feet and Mm -hmm. I had to message him and kind of like hold his feet to the fire and say, look, this is the last thing I need from you. Either you do this or I'm taking you to court and like airing it all out and I'm demanding more. I just need for you to sign this. And I didn't tell him anything else. And so the day before um, he signed it and the day before my closing um, signed it, but the judge, um, the judge hadn't signed the order. So it wasn't a completed court order. So we, Uh, we went to court virtually, um, for my divorce. So I used the same zoom link the next day and I, it was like, I rolled the dice. It was like a Hail Mary and Mm -hmm. I was like, (laughs) you know, that's a bold move. That's like walking into a courtroom and just, so I I used the same Zoom link. It worked. She did the divorces for the day. The judge did. And then she was like, who are you? And I, I pleaded. I, I explained my situation. Thankfully, she was a compassionate judge. She said, I will sign it today and I will send it directly to you because I had a sucky attorney who was not really pushing it. And I was trying to explain like, hey, I closed on my house. I need this or mm-hmm. else my whole deal falls through. And so I advocated for myself and it worked out. I got the papers, the the, the final court order, divorce decree, um, emailed to me like in, within the hour and I was able to forward it to um, everybody that needed the title it. property. Was, yeah. Yes. And I got my house and that was and I got my divorce like all in one. So. <laughs> wow. that, that. Yeah. So what has life been like for you post-divorce? Yeah, so I definitely went through my journey after that. Um, initially, during those seven months after leaving Washington, um, my focus was really on, <clears throat> excuse me, was really on my son and getting my things back. And I harbored like a lot of anger, like, of course, everything in the marriage, the way that it ended, you know, the betrayal, all of that. But it was also 
that aftermath, like how can he treat me like that mm-hmm. in the end? And, you know, that form of control, even in the end, like punishing me when I did nothing wrong. Um, so after getting the divorce, getting my household goods, getting my house, getting a new job, like all these positives, um, you know, I started to kind of open up a little more about my divorce to other people because it was only a handful that knew um, and they were very, very supportive. But um, I just wasn't ready to talk about it to other people, but I started to kind of open up. But I was still very, although I was no longer angry at that point, I was afraid. I was living in fear, um, fear of being hurt. So I poured like really, really, really poured into my son and, you know, I used the pandemic and my son and his condition um, as kind of my reasons um, for, oh, I'm, I don't need to get back out there. I, I don't need to meet anybody. Um, I just need to focus on him. Um over the time after my divorce, I had stopped really taking care of myself. Like while he was in Korea, I had gotten to the point where I was juicing. I had lost like 25 pounds. I had started biking daily except for Sunday. Some days I would go bike riding like three times in one day. It was crazy, but I loved it. And I started it like while my son, like due to the pandemic and the school shutting down and needing something to do with a hyper child, but it became a big part of my routine. I had lost all of that and gained weight and I didn't see it, but at some point I had fallen into a depression. Um, I really wasn't doing anything for me. It went from, oh, I'll go bike riding tomorrow. I'll go bike riding the next day to it's been a week thing. And I'm feeling bad, but um, I still didn't have the motivation to. It's been a few months and I'm still feeling like, oh, this sucks. And eventually fell off my radar. Um, My diet went to crap. Like all my healthy eating was gone and I wasn't sleeping well. Um, and once I started working, like I said, I shifted my focus just to my son and I'm going to work. I was a therapist. So I'm pouring into people at work. Hey, you know, we're sociable creatures. We, we don't thrive in isolation. We need to connect. And I was going home and not even really realizing I was lonely. My mom was trying to point it out to me. She's like, Hey, Keen, it's been a little while like it's time you've had your time and I get that but you need to move forward and you know I was like I'm good you know and I I wasn't but in my mind I was like I'll just Netflix and chill by myself um until I'm old and gray and I die because there there's no way that I will allow myself to be in a position where I'm I'm hurt again. I just could not mm-hmm. see myself being vulnerable and I was like, okay, what's the alternative? Oh, I just have friends and I know me. I'm like, no, nope, emotions jump in there and then I get hurt. So I was so guarded, I would not get out there. And um it it was like a combination of like me just having a lot of clients at the time dealing with loneliness. Now mm-hmm. telling them 
loneliness is self-imposed. Like you can do something about that if you choose to, yet I'm not living it. You know, I'm not walking the walk, you know, and so still not seeing it either that I was going home and I was really lonely until like between it really just standing out to me. It was a lot of people at once combined with um, my mom, Saying, hey, you got to get back on that horse. Like, and just this one particular time of her saying it, I was already kind of thinking about it. And um, I ended up seeing my doctor, just a routine visit, you know, annual exam. And you know, those questions they usually ask mm-hmm. you. Anybody in your family have diabetes? Does anybody in your family have hypertension? Um, anything like that. But she screened me and it's yes and yes for both of those, but she screened me and asked a different question. She was like, has anybody in your family had a stroke? That's a new one. I've never been asked that, but I said, no, not a stroke, but my mother did have an aneurysm a few years ago. She was like, okay, well I'll screen you do an MRI just in case. And I'm like, no doctor has ever said that to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't think anything of it. Like, okay, whatever. So I'm sitting in my office one day at work and I get a call and it's this nurse and she's like, she had no bedside manner. And she's like, um, hi, um, I just wanted to go over your results. Um, you have an enlarged blood vessel. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And I knew what that meant, but she's like, um, you have a a brain aneurysm. So like in that moment, I felt so many different emotions. Like you could hear a pin drop, like the world stopped. And like my first thought was my mom, like mm-hmm. who I had almost lost a few years before due to an aneurysm. The difference is we did not know prior to that she had one until just one day I get the call that she was unresponsive. Thankfully, she's doing well today. Very, very minimal um, effects of that. And I I heard at that time that most people don't survive that rupture in aneurysm. So I thought about that. Then I thought about just my whole entire life. I thought about, you know, being molested at age 13, having my first child at age 14. The promise I made to her, made to my daughter that I would be the best mother I could be to her, you know, being homeless at age 18, joining the military and deploying to Iraq and returning my body, returning, but not my mind, going Mm -hmm. through that abusive marriage and then um, getting out of it, you know, getting to the point where I had gotten my stuff, you know, and was finally done, like it was over, over just to get a call like that. And it was, I've never gotten the call that you have cancer, but it was like what you see on TV where people get mm-hmm. that call and how you can imagine they feel in that moment, you know? And so I was in shock. I was thinking about my kids, like, how do I tell them? Like, like, do I need to start making funeral arrangements, like in arrangements for my kids? Like my daughter, she was grown, but my son 
he still needs me, you know? So it was just a lot to process. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling my mom, I'm telling her what I, I got diagnosed with and, you know, like still trying to process it. So I go and I see the neurologist and he helps me put things in perspective. He's like, Hey, actually this is more common than most people know. A lot of people are walking around. They don't know they even have an aneurysm um, and they live full lives and you can too. We just got to monitor this. You don't need to smoke or strain or do anything that'll really, really elevate your blood pressure. We got to watch that, but otherwise you can live a full life. So it gave me hope, but it also put things in perspective. Um, I could continue to live like the dead woman walking or, and I realized I was like, it hit me. I was not ready to go, you know, mm-hmm. in that moment I was like, Whoa, I got unfinished business. If he's trying to call me home, I'm not ready. And it, so, you know, it forced me to really look at how I was living and how I wasn't living in a sense. And then I, I looked at not just that, but I was like, or I could live in, in fear in a different way, fear that I have a ticking time bomb, you know, because that's what it felt like. I remember my mom's rupturing. So I'm like, oh, that it could be any day, any moment. Or I could choose to make the best out of my life, whatever time I have left and mm-hmm. and not focus on that, you know, but really focus on living and not just surviving, but truly thriving. And so I chose the latter. And in doing so, I started to really live and I just live for like my son and live with these excuses. And, you know, I started to pour really into myself and do my true healing. I started reflecting without anger when I would look back on my marriage for a while, I was so angry and hurt Mm -hmm. that it was all him, 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 him. But at some point I looked back and I was like, what was my part in that? You know, yes, I was mistreated, but I saw some red flags and I should have heeded to them. Um, I should have slowed down. Maybe we should have taken more time before getting married um, Mm -hmm. and had more of a foundation, really gotten to know each other. And you know, what boundaries should I have set? When should I I have spoken up? And although I was speaking, speaking up, when should I have called it quits? When should I have walked away? Um, when should I not have allowed it to get to a certain point? And so I was looking back with a different lens. What was my part? Because instead of living in fear of, oh, I can't date or connect with anyone again because it's going to happen again. How about I look back, learn and let me do something different moving forward. Um, And did all that self-discovery and healing. And I got back out there. Um, this time it was tender. <laughs> <laughs> I was over the times, right? Right. <laughs> I was actually very skeptical because of the rep that app has, oh, and right. I very much, yeah. And so I was like, but I needed. I realized I needed connection. I needed companionship. I was not looking for a full blown relationship. I was actually very afraid of that. I was like, I'm going to take my time for real this time. Um. And not get on here with any expectations, but make it very clear, like, hey, if you're looking for a hookup or if you're looking to get married immediately, go ahead and swipe left. Like, do do not swipe right on me. I don't want that. And I made it very clear, like, I'm just trying to, 
you know, have good conversation, maybe someone I could chill with and let's see where it could go from there. And Mm -hmm. I kid you not, like the the very first night I was on there, I'm getting used to it, getting acclimated to the app. I'm like, okay. And it it was actually kind of exciting. Like, oh, swipe right, swipe left. (laughs) I like that profile, whatever. And so the next morning, um, a few guys had responded that I had swiped right on. Apparently we, we matched mm-hmm. and one of them, we actually really, really had a great conversation. We had so many things in common. It is eerie. And it, after a while, it was like, this can't be real. Like, is he just saying these things? But it would be things that he would bring up. And I'm like, no way. I love that show too. Or no way. That's my favorite group as well. Um, and we we met, we really hit it off in person. And I, I was like, boundaries, like, it's so funny because I was like, boundaries, 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 giving the church hug and all of that. <laughs> like, I was just like, I'm not afraid of getting hurt, but I'm going to make it clear that we're going to do things differently. Like, I'm mm-hmm. going to do things differently than I did in the past and was able to be very transparent about my past with him. And he was just getting out of something as well. So he was able to be transparent with me. And we were just both at the same level in our lives, the same level of maturity. And in hindsight, I was like, I kind of needed to go through my process and also do the work on myself to be able to be in a position to manifest something when I was not looking for it. And so, you know, now I'm happy in love. Um, Never felt this kind of love before, this level of support Um, and just this level of connection. I did not think it existed. Um, Not for me. I knew true love was out there on a deeper level, but I was like, I had already given up on it, you know, after what I had been through. So to find it when I'm not even really looking for it after doing that work for myself, I, I want other women to have that. And I see so many other women who are stuck. You know, they are like I was, I was stuck. I was stuck in my anger and then I was stuck in my fear and loneliness and that's not healthy. And I'm trying to be superwoman. and I'm wearing a mask, acting like I'm okay. Everything's fine. And I'm trying to take care of everybody else except for myself. And, um, I, like I said, I see so many other women and that's my why, because I've been there and I don't want another woman to have to get the kind of call I got before they realize they need to really start living their life um, and start working on themselves so they can find that next level love, you know, mm-hmm. that, that level of fulfillment and purpose um, because yeah, my purpose kind of came out in that I knew as a therapist, I knew, Oh, I'm meant to help people, but I did not know that really I was meant to focus in a certain area and help women who are going through the very thing I went through divorce because yeah, I could take them on their journey and show them like, Hey, you don't have to be stuck and you are stuck in this. You don't see it. I didn't see it. I Mm -hmm. was a therapist and I didn't, see that I was stuck so you know to be able to now not only tap into my own experiences and know that there is happiness on the other side you know after doing the work on yourself you can't get there and how to do that work on yourself and being able to tap into both my experience as well as like just my experiences working with people as a therapist you know I 
I feel like that is my purpose that and I've made it my mission. So that's where I am now. And, you know, with what I have and that level of fulfillment and love, I know it's out there for everyone if they work on themselves, even if they don't see it. And I see so many women broken and lacking that confidence and that clarity. Um, And they're like me where they're like, nope, either they're like, I'm done. I've given up on men or they're like, all men are dogs. So I'm just going to play them, you know, or I just want something out of them. And they're going about it the wrong way when deep down, Mm -hmm. we all need a a deeper connection. So that's where I am today. We love to hear a comeback story. Absolutely. But Kina, first of all, we want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to come and talk to us and just being so open and honest with your story. We appreciate that so much. Thank you for having me. Before we let you go, we do have one last question that we ask all of our guests. And that question is, is marriage worth it? Yes, I will say yes, despite everything you just heard. Yes, but with the right person and after you've done the work on yourself. All righty. And there you have it. It is a yes from Kina. Is there anything that you wanted to promote? Yes, definitely. So I can be followed on all social media platforms at Coaching with Kina, K-E-E-N-A. And also, I would like to offer the listeners my free gift. Um, You can get it at www.kinafreegift.com. And you can visit my website, MyThrivingLifeAcademy.com. You can follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at MarriageWorthIt. You can also email us at MarriageWorthIt at gmail.com. I'm Monique. And I'm Janelle. And this has been... Is Marriage Worth It?